Hello, and welcome to the NCC More podcast. My name is Jared, and on this podcast, we uh, we try to add a little bit more value to the Sunday morning message. You know, on this podcast, we talk a, a little bit more about the nitty-gritty, uh, about like the little extras that may have uh, maybe didn't make it to the stage on on Sunday. It's, it's kind of like the, 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 the deleted scenes, you know, from the movie, and, and it's like the little extras, the little, the little pizzazz that you know you really want in. And so uh, and so that's what we're doing here. Obviously, I am not Pastor Philip. He is actually over in Stockholm right now with some of our good friends who have planted a church over there and so he's preaching in their church and teaching leadership leadership sessions. Um, but he'll be back with us again next week. But um on Sunday we talked about this concept of growing in grace and this is found in 2 Peter chapter 3. Peter concludes his last letter ever written to humanity with this. Uh, you must grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. These are these are Peter's last penned words to all of humanity. Now now, Peter was uh, one of Jesus' closest disciples, one of his closest friends, his closest confidants. Uh, he was the church's first pastor. Uh, Peter preached the first sermon after Jesus ascended into heaven. Uh, God used Peter to do a lot of miraculous things and spoke through Peter um, in a lot of different ways. And, and so Peter could have ended his sermon, uh, ended his last letter, his last written piece to humanity a lot of different wa- ways, you know. You need to grow in your discipline. You need to grow in your in your devotion. You need to grow in your dedication. You need to grow in your endurance. He could have took a lot of biblical principles and ended it a different way, but instead he says, I want you to grow in grace. And that's what we talked about on Sunday, and, and there's two ways that we're going to focus on growing in grace. Um, there's many different facets to grace, but we're focusing on these two today. And the first one was forgive yourself. And and this is based out of Ephesians chapter one and verse seven. It says, God is so rich in grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. God is so rich in his grace that he forgave us. Uh, and so if God forgave us, he's not holding our sin over us. He's not holding our past over us. And so we need to forgive ourselves. We need to forgive ourselves. But you know, it's it's hard to forgive ourselves until we realize, first off, how much God has forgiven us. And so I want to talk for just a few moments about how much God has forgiven us. You know, Jeremiah 11 or 29, 11 uh, says this, God says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. And I love that because God says, I, I, I have these thoughts towards you. I have these plans for you. They're plans to prosper you, plans to give you a hope, plans to give you a future. And, and there's something very interesting about planning is you can't plan the past. You can't plan the past. And so God here, he says his thoughts are fixed on planning, planning your prosperity, planning your future, planning a hope for you. And and so God's thoughts are not on your past. They're not on your mistakes. And so if God's thoughts are not on our past, why should our thoughts be on our past? The past is behind. You can't drive forward while looking in the rear view mirror and your attention gazed on the rear view mirror. You're going to crash into something that's in front of you. And that's how, that's how guilt, that's how condemnation works. 
Shame works where it gets us so caught up in something that we did in the past, in a mistake that we made, that our all of our focus and our, all, all of our attention is on what we once did, how we once messed up, how we'll never break free from that addiction that we were once trapped in. And as we're moving forward in life, our attention is behind us and we continue to stumble. We begin, we continue to fail because we never get our attention off of our past. We never get our attention off of our failures. Um, but God says this in, in, in Psalms chapter 103, he says, uh, it, it talks about all these benefits that we have of following Jesus. And, and, and one of these things is it says, God does not punish us according to our sins. He does not deal with us harshly as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is great as the height of the heavens above the earth, and he has removed our sins from us as far as from the east is from the west. I I love that. God is not punishing us according to our sins. He doesn't deal with us as we deserve. Rather, in Romans chapter 5 and verse 20, it says, where sin abounded, grace much more abounded. Where sin, where sin grew, where sin was big, where sin reared its ugly face, grace abounded much more. Grace grew much more. Grace overshadowed anything sin could ever do on our lives. So you see, according to this verse, we cannot out-sin the grace of God. As far as you think you've gone, God went further. As far as you think you've sinned, as far, as much as you think you've made a mistake, God has surpassed that in his mercy, in his kindness, in his love towards you. He made a plan for you to get out of the rut that you may be in before you ever got in the rut. God's grace far outweighs our sin. And you know, God not only made made a way for us to get out of sin, but he made us, he made a way for us to enter into a new identity. Second Corinthians chapter five and verse 21 says this, for God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us so that we who did not know righteousness might become the righteousness of God through our union with him. You see, you may have committed sin, but Jesus actually became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. Not, not the righteousness of Mother Teresa. No, no, no. Not the righteousness of, of the prominent religious figure that you're thinking of right now. No, the actual righteousness of God. God made a way for us. But the thing about that righteousness is it, it couldn't be achieved. It could only be received. The grace of God can't be achieved. It can only be received. Romans chapter 5 in verse 17 says this, uh, greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all those who will receive it. How greater is God's grace and his gift of righteousness for all those who will receive it. And, and, and so here it talks about righteousness, this identity of being right with God as a gift it's a gift that we have to receive. Whenever I woke up on Christmas morning as a kid, I was a Lego fanatic and always asked for Legos. You know, I had the Star Wars Legos, the pirate Legos, uh, uh, the, the, the ninja Legos, all of the Legos I, 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 I aspired to collect throughout my childhood. And whenever I opened presents on Christmas morning or, or on, on my birthday, it's not like I opened up got the Lego that I wanted and said, oh, mom, dad, this is amazing. Um, can I do some extra chores to earn this? 
God, uh, uh, mom, dad, this is this is great. This is great. I, uh, but I don't feel like I I deserve to open this quite yet. So let me go two weeks on really good behavior, and and then I'll actually open up and begin to assemble this. No, 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 no. You better believe. As soon as I opened that, that that mug was tore open. Lego pieces were everywhere. I was thumbing through that that instruction booklet, assembling you know my newly acquired uh, Lego piece, and uh. And that's the same way with God. God gives us his grace and his righteousness so that we don't have to feel like we need to earn or deserve it, but so that we can enjoy and thrive in it. And the end of that scripture says this. It says, if we receive it, we will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. You see, the key to living free from sin is not found in trying to sin less. It's found in realizing how sinless God has made us because of Jesus. Because of we put our trust and our faith in him, he's washed us clean, given us this new identity of righteousness. And realizing that, realizing the magnitude of his grace, frees us to live a life free from sin in our new identity of his righteousness. You know, we also talked about growing in grace on Sunday. Uh, We need to learn to forgive ourselves, but we also need to learn to forget ourselves. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4 says this, Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. And, And you see, we're either helping people see Jesus or we're hindering people see Jesus. There's this story in Luke chapter 19 of this man by the name of Zacchaeus, who's essentially a modern day mobster. He extorts and embezzles, steals money from people, um, cheats people out of money, um, and and creates this financial empire for himself. and And Jesus was passing through Zacchaeus's hometown, and and the Bible says that Jesus that Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, but he couldn't because of the crowd around Jesus. And I find it interesting that. The people who were quote unquote following Jesus were actually a hindrance to Zacchaeus, probably the person who most needed to see Jesus at that point in time from seeing Jesus. They were a hindrance to him, not a help. And if we're not careful, our lives of quote unquote following Jesus can sometimes become a hindrance to those who desperately need to see Jesus. You see, we can get so hung up on uh on our own we can become so self-absorbed in our own bible studies in our own groups in our own christian gatherings that we actually have no time in our schedule to serve those in need in our community to have dinner with our coworkers who don't follow jesus to go and host the neighborhood barbecue for the people on our own block who don't have relationship with jesus you see we can be so uh we can become so egotistical in our theological pursuit of intellect become so narcissistic in our need for more biblical information that we actually become jaded and distracted from the injustice and the need around us in our city, in our community, in our country, in the nations, a world round. We can become so distracted from all that, uh, which Jesus actually came to restore and reverse and bring healing and hope and restoration. You see, and if we're going to forget ourselves, one of the things we're going to need to do is we're going to need to forget our traditions. We need to forget our traditions. In Matthew chapter 15, Jesus said to the church leaders at the time that they elevated their traditions above the words of God. 
that they actually elevated their traditions above the words of God. And we're not careful. We write off things for the sake of quote unquote following Jesus that we pursue, we try to attain. Um, and if we're not careful, these things can become a barrier to helping people who need to follow Jesus, see Jesus and take that next step. You know, we, we become, uh, we, we begin to define our lives, uh, and define our following of Jesus by the fact that, you know, well, I, I don't get tattoos and I don't smoke and I don't cuss and I don't belong to that political party. And I don't shop at that store because of their political agenda. And I don't listen to that kind of music. And I don't, and I don't, and I don't, and I don't. And we begin to define our pursuit of Jesus by all the things we don't do. All the while, people around us in our jobs, in our schools, in our communities are hurting and broken and desperately need a touch of the grace of Jesus. You see, if we want to help people see Jesus, we're going to have to forget our traditions, forget things that we've elevated above the words of Jesus uh, so that we can actually bring healing to people who need Jesus. Uh, it's okay to have a preference. It's okay to have an opinion, but it's not okay for your preference and your opinion to become a hindrance to someone experiencing the love of Jesus. If we're going to uh, forget ourselves. The second thing we're going to need to have to do is we're going to need to forget our prejudice. We're going to need to forget our prejudice. You know, humanity in all of its history has uh, dealt with um, all kinds of prejudices from things from sexism to uh, racism to elitism. And, and, and we've come a long way. And yes, we still have a long ways to go, uh, but one thing that every single Jesus follower wrestles with at, to some degree, at some point in time in their pursuit of Jesus is, is, is a prejudice against those who don't behave in accordance with the way that you believe. You know, we say things like, I can't believe the way that coworker acted. I can't stand the language that that family member used at the reunion. I, I can't believe the lyrics to the song that they wrote. I can't believe the movie that they're in. They grew up in church, and, and I can't believe that they passed that law. Uh, uh, you know, and, and we write off all of these things, and we become prejudiced. We begin to have this this angst, this uh, this against this againstness. That's not a word, <laughs> but this this sense of being against people uh, who don't be behave the way we believe. We subconsciously hold people's sin against them. We rant against them on social media. We boycott their companies. We marginalize and we ostracize those who don't look like us, don't act like us, don't dress like us, don't talk don't talk like us. And in turn, we alienate people who need to see, who need to experience, who need to have an encounter with the grace of Jesus. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 19 says this, It was God personally present in Christ Jesus, reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself not counting up or holding against men their trespasses, but canceling them out. I love that. It says God was restoring the world to favor with himself. Not those who would one day believe, not those who say, you know, God, I'm all in, I'm devoted, I'm following after you. Not those who are like attending the Bible studies. No, it says God restored the world to favor with himself, not holding up against men, their trespasses, but canceling them out. It's funny, 
God is not holding the world's sin against the world, according to this scripture. God's not holding the world's sin against the world. Why do we feel entitled or obligated as followers of Jesus that we need to hold the sin's world against the world? You see, we have this, this concept of if, if you're going to come and you're going to follow Jesus, well, you got to behave. And if you really behave, then that is proof that you truly believe. And if you truly believe, well, then you belong. You see, we offer, we often embrace the thought that, uh, that, that if someone behaves in accordance with our conviction, that means that that gives proof to their belief. And, uh, and, and that's just simply not the, that's just simply not how Jesus uh, exemplified and, and, and gave us uh, a way of living. You see, Jesus brought a sense of belonging to everyone that he met, met. Um, they, they belonged at his dinner table. They belonged, uh, they belonged in, in, in his gatherings from the Pope to the prostitute, from the famous to the faceless. Jesus made space for everyone at his table, which created a deep belief in the, in the culture, in the kingdom that he came to establish, which over time, uh, uh, turned people's behavior. You see, people belong way before they believe. And they believe way before they behave. You see, we're not here just to create a space for people to, to, to get their actions right. Christianity is not a behavior modification program. Jesus didn't come to make bad people better. He came to make dead people alive. And, th- and that's what we're all about here. We're here to create a space for people to belong. And, and in that journey... In that place, in that space of belonging, we know that God will show up. God will fill that space and they'll have an encounter with with a good God who's for them and not against them. A God who's full of grace and forgiveness and who wants to and who wants to set their path right, who wants to give them a new identity of righteousness, just like God gave us a new identity of righteousness. Well, I hope you got something out of this today. Thank you so much for joining us on the NCC More podcast. Uh, don't forget, this Sunday, we are starting a brand new series, Friend of Sinners, Why God Cares More About Relationship Than Perfection. You don't want to miss it, 9.30 and 11.15. Uh, you don't want to miss it. We'll see you here on Sunday. <laughs>